since I had somebody on that I actually had a little bit of jitters you know <laughs> that makes you feel good or, or not I it don't makes know. you feel good man thank you <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird because you're also younger than me which is I don't know why that's that's a thing that it's like uh, he's an ageist don't worry I'm an ageist I'm an ageist all right welcome to the uh episode 14 Quinn 14 of this this podcast uh, somewhere in there somewhere in there yeah Today we got a pretty special guest on for you guys. I'm pretty excited about this one. Quinn and I have been following him for a while. Quinn actually wasn't roommates with him, but they kind of went to college at the same time back in Bozeman. I think we might have been in the same dorms. I'm not entirely sure. That's right. That's right. Uh, and uh, this is Jackson Lebsack. So he's a PNW guy. He's uh, over there in Hood River area. We kind of started following him because he was filming on a similar platform that we were trying to film on. So he shot on Panasonic GH5. He had a GH4. He probably had a GH3, didn't you, Jackson, I think? GH4 was the start of me. I'm a GH4 young boy. GH4 was the start. Yeah, that's right. There you go. So we just had to get him on. We've been wanting to do this for a while. We had uh, some correspondence back in, what was it, January, I think, or December last year. Yeah. We were kind of chatting about maybe having him on. I let him know I was doing a podcast, something I've always wanted to do, and uh, I just want to bring on. People that are doing and taking a little bit different path than what you typically would do uh, in, at, at our age. You know, most people are going out and finding jobs. They're getting real secure. They're getting a, getting a college degree, which is something that I think all of us attempted and, and did not succeed at. And we're trying to give uh, a little bit of, you know, get a little bit of hope for the other people out there that they want to do a little different path. So, Jackson, thanks so much for coming on, man. We are so excited to uh, have you on. How you been? What have you been up to? How you doing? Yeah. Well, first of all, Drew, thank you so much. I'm uh, super excited to be here and just chat it out. Been great. Um, I am living my dream, man. I'm so lucky to to be able to pick up a camera every day and call it my job. And nothing really has changed for me ever since I left school to try and do that. So just keep chasing that and, uh, you know, stoked to see where it's taking me, man. Awesome. So I just want to get my, my timelines right here before we jump into the questions. So you're, are you 24 years old? I'm 23. 23 years old. Okay, gotcha. All right, so you and Quinn are the same age, right? Yep. Is that right, Quinn? Okay. Yeah. Cool, very cool. So we kind of came across your story back in, I know this isn't where it started, but I remember you doing this video series, and we're just going to catch the rest of the group up here and our audience and everything, because our audience probably isn't going to be super familiar with with who you are, Jackson. Um, so far, it's a small enough audience right now that, that we got kind of an array of different people, but you were shooting video at a really young age of action sports. I mean, you went to Nepal, you did uh, some clothing line stuff, you did, um, you know, skiing, uh, water sports, all of, all of these different things. And then you did a little bit of uh, video contract work and stuff like that. But for you, it, it really started with your uncle. Is that right? He kind of handed you a camera. He's a photographer and stuff like that. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, origin story, like going, going way back to it. That was, I, I did this family reunion when I was like a junior in high school. And, uh, I was always a kid that really liked to, to get outside and, and skiing was always a part of my life and many other action sports. But on this family reunion, my uncle was an enthusiast photographer and had this new 
Canon T3i, I think it was at the time, and he let me oh, just man. take it, and I took it, and I ran around the, the the cabin shooting some photos of squirrels and stuff, and uh, <laughs> and I was like, wow, I was blown away by the quality of the camera and the way the photos looked with me knowing nothing, and it just all of a sudden made like the outside world seem so fun, and I just had this all of a sudden this passion. I never liked hiking, and the next thing I knew, I was like, I want to go hike just to try and get cool photos, and. My uncle took me on that reunion on some sweet hikes, got some sick pictures, and then from there, I was I was hooked, man. I came right back home, bought a camera, and that was the start of it all. And yeah, and that's kind of how it's been. Did you ever exactly. think that you were gonna? I mean, your uncle was kind of making money with it at that time, and that's a part of this podcast is trying to figure out what to do, how to do things that that do things you can make money and do things that you love, but but be financially secure at the same time. So, did you always have an idea that you could probably make? decent money doing that i mean did, you went to college for film didn't you or what I, was that? exactly so so like i said like i picked up that camera junior year of high school came back with a burning passion to figure out how to do it and i just okay. like I, I think from that moment on i pretty much went tunnel vision like this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna figure out how to make the camera you know uh my my way of living i want to figure out how to make it um financially stable and also just just because i love it so much but honestly money was aside i was just like I knew it was what I loved, and I've always believed that if you chase what you love and you have a passion enough to do so, um, I think the money will come. And even if it doesn't, at least you're waking up happy every day doing what you love to do. So that was the mindset. And came into to junior year of high school, took all these multimedia classes through junior and, high, and senior year of high school, um, learned the basics of Premiere Pro, and then I went to college at Montana State University for a semester uh, for film school. And then I quickly dropped out. <laughs> I can relate to that one quite a bit. I did the I did the same thing. I remember I don't remember how I found your podcast, but or not, not your podcast. podcast, your video work. But uh um I remember I was watching one of your YouTube videos and uh, there was like one of your on one of your openings, I think it was one of your chapter videos that you were putting together, and one of the openings you had a shot of some kid uh skateboarding through I think it was like the North Hedges parking lot or whatever. whatever. And, uh, and I, like I said, I don't remember how I found your stuff, but I was watching and I was like, oh, this kid does cool video work. And I know he's on a GH4, which we had been shooting with at the time. And I watched that YouTube video and I was like, oh, hell, that's my car in the background. I was like, he's right around here. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I was in the top floor of South Hedges. And then coincidentally, over the past couple of years, we have been in the same places at like weird times. I think I remember you were shooting Red Bull Rampage in 2018. Uh-huh. Uh, we were down there. No <laughs> I just way. just happened to be in the stand. That was my first time I'd ever been. And then, uh, yeah, we were at Bozeman the same time. And then uh, I actually ended up hanging, I don't know if you remember him, uh, Reed Ram. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I, ended, I was going to ask about <laughs> I him. I ended I was up getting ask close him. with Reed, uh, and he almost moved in with me. But then uh, some, we had some family stuff, and I ended up not taking a roommate that year. But it was just like... In huge gaps, we kept having these weird coincidentals like, oh, wait. And then we just kept ending up in the same place at the same time. So that's why I was always, always keeping up with your work. And then uh, my roommate, coincidentally, that I did move in with, happened to love your stuff as well. So we were watching you do all the Jamie O'Brien stuff. And uh, Sick, they were man. trying to convince me to take your position when you stopped working for Jamie O'Brien. I was like, I don't know anything about surfing, man. Like, I can't. <laughs> you dive certified. Yeah, no, partially, yes. if you look at the right pieces of paper. But no, so I'm, Drew told me, he's like, oh, by the way, I got Jackson Lebsack to come on. And I was kind of starstruck. I was like, you're lying to me. Like, this is a goof. There's no way. 
No way, but. man. That's awesome. I love to hear that. That's so cool. You see your car in the background and everything. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, just started. Small I was world. like, I got to follow the kid now. I know he's around town somewhere. <laughs> Sick, dude. That's so rad. I love that. Yeah, of course. You love the work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just, you know, being that we're kind of the sixth degree, it's like it's you're always like one person away from somebody in a way, you know? Yeah. And it's just it's just great to bring it on. But small world. I kind of want to dive in a little bit about your um, just like your your mindset as you're going through this. I mean, you said that you really you had a passion for it, but there's there's people out there that say they, they always come up with excuses why they can't follow a dream. Right. And one of those excuses is, well, like, you know, I. I I, I see what he he grew up with. He grew around parents that let him do that stuff, had the money to to try that stuff, you know, to try skiing and, and try all of that. And that's fine. But but also, I, I always like to make a point of like people that have that opportunity don't necessarily always take it to be able to go and be something different, to be something that's that's above the rest. And when you are raised in a good situation, it's even harder to to separate yourself and and put yourself at a level that um, makes you stand out. I mean, it's a, it's a classic syndrome and you don't typically hear that. Um, you don't hear that side of things. It's either if, if you're privileged, you didn't earn it. If you weren't privileged um, and you, and you earned it, you know, then, then there's always another excuse as to why you're, well, I, I can't do that anymore. Cause that was five years ago. I can't do that now. Cause that was, you know, it, it's a mm-hmm. different game out here. It's already out of touch. That doesn't, that doesn't exist anymore. So, what what case are you? I mean, it sounds like you had some family that that was pretty into. Um, your dad is a ski shop, right? Like he was a, he's a, he was yeah, a dealer. He's, a, he's wasn't the he? Rosignol ski rep, so he's yeah. the head of Northwest for Rosignol um, over here, and and that's what he does. My mom's a stay at home mom, and yep, and yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. So you you were able to have that in in your life a little bit, but you took it and you took it a whole nother direction. Now, what people don't understand about filming is that when you get really good at filming, you never really get a film yourself. You never really get to show your, your talent. So um, you're a phenomenal skier. You're a phenomenal you know, extreme sports guy. What's it like to always be the one showing off everyone else and, and having to make that kind of your work? Because you did a great job showing yourself off. I love that so much when you did the chapter series. But you... You know, you have a love of two things. You have a love of extreme sports and you have a love of filming. So what, how did that, how did that come yeah, about? Yeah, man, it, that, that is true. And it, and it is a, uh, it is a battle oftentimes. I, I love filming, like you say, and I love capturing my friends and I feel like, you know, that's what I was put on this earth to do. So 90% of the time I'm like, I got to be behind the camera getting the shot. But then at the same time, um, I, 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 there's a part of it you know, on the business side of things and also what I want to do with my films is tell my story as well, um, which is where the chapter thing came into play. And so Mm -hmm. that all started with like passing the camera to some buddies, trying to let them get some shots uh, at the right times. I had a few friends that got into cameras um, and they know how to at least work the basics. And the other part of it, the cameras have gotten so good that people can figure out, you know, with a little quick, quick lesson, they can figure out how to get some decent shots. Um, but but yeah, I mean that's exactly right. It's a balance between trying to trying to film and then trying to also get filmed. Um, and it's a big key because like if you're if you're always the guy behind the lens telling the story, uh, I, I feel you can only be so inspirational and only make it so far. There there comes a time where you have to flip the script a little bit and make a film, an autobiography, and and, and tell tell your your side of things. And with that comes imagery to to pair. So. 
um yeah man it's been a bit of a, a tough balance especially with like sickos going on now um because yep. that's like a, sh- a show that i'm m- very much want to be a, a character in but i also need to film for too so that one's a toss up but we're figuring it out man we've got a, i got a community of people that that can grab the camera now and and help make it happen okay okay cool so when you were getting started you have this talent and you're you're going to college you're starting to meet new people you've done a little bit of have you done a little video contract work at that point yeah by this time i like maybe did some jobs for free probably my mindset was just like build the portfolio build the portfolio don't even charge people anything just show people i can do work and then from there slowly scale it into you know little to little paid jobs and then little bigger little bigger little bigger so i probably did a couple free jobs by this time yeah um maybe one paid but under 500 bucks you know yeah yeah I was and I was going to ask real quick. Uh, do you remember your first film job? And then once you got that first film job, even if it was a free one, did, was it that first one where you were like, "Oh wait, <clears throat> you know the light go on with that first one"? And you were like, "Oh, I can do this for work. Like this can be my life." Or did you have to do a couple before you kind of saw like, "Oh, this could replace like maybe a more classic career path or whatever"? No, you know what? I worked in this uh, this hotel when I was fifteen, sixteen as a busboy. And I, <laughs> that job made me like, fuck that, dude. I'm never doing this stuff again. And that like sparked the fire to the passion of like, I am not gonna be told when to come into work. And and uh, I hated it, man. I, it sucked. That's awesome. And yeah. And yeah. so I, I think that that sparked like, yeah, the the passion to first off. And and um and so from there, I was like, I'm gonna do free jobs until I can figure out how to never do that again. And I think the first, uh, I made like a summer 2016 video, it was like my first video I ever put out on YouTube. And then I used that as like a portfolio piece of what I did for myself. And I went to this trade show with my dad in uh, in Portland at the Expo Center for, for skis. It was a skiing trade show, he does it every year. And there's all these companies with their tents showing off their, you know, their next year stuff. And I ran into this company called Vinderhow, and they're a local company out of Portland. And somehow the conversation got brought up that they needed media, and I showed them my summer 2016 video. And at the time, that was like a pretty decent, a decent video for, for like, you know, what was out there. And, and they were stoked on it. And they were like, well, can we hire you to do like us a video like this? And so they gave me like some of their clothes and I went back for the summer and filmed them a commercial over the course of summer. And I think they paid me like a thousand bucks. And uh, that was the first film job. And I think that was actually right before I went. That was this summer, like leading up to go to college. So I did get one paid my first paid job right before I went to school. Yeah. And then Vinderhow is kind of what took you to Nepal, right? If I'm not mistaken, working with them is what took you over there. And totally. Vinderhow ended up being a major, major part of my career. And uh, they were the, just the first cool group of people and company and guys that, that just believed in a young kid with not much to show other than a passion. And they were yeah. there to just support it and i uh i can't thank them enough i see them every now and then i don't even know what they're doing these days but we stay in touch a little and uh yeah man they, they ended up taking me from that job and ended up being the first guys that, that allowed me to travel with the camera and took me to nepal and when i went to nepal that was like holy shit this is everything i could ever wanted you know i just wanted to be able to travel with my camera and it was crazy man those guys did a lot for me for sure 
Yeah. I was going to say, as someone in this line of work and, and someone that was following your stuff at the time, seeing you get to go international, I think is a lot of people's dream with like this video work and whatnot. So when you see someone get to do it, you're like, okay, here it is. Like this, this is when it kicks off. Like it's starting now. It's like, that's kind of like, I feel like that's a, a baseline that we put up for ourselves. It's like, okay, this is like, you know, from here only up. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, go. that's something we talk about all the time is, is like, man, a lot of people say you need to give value, give value, give value in order to get these jobs and get these kinds of things going. But first and foremost, you need to kind of give effort in a general direction and then have the guts to go and ask for an opportunity to yeah. do it. Like, um, you, you have to, sh you have to show what you're capable of and then be like, Hey, I can get better and I want to keep working on this. Is there any way this could utilize and align with your goals and I could help you do it. And then you can help me do it in return. Mm -hmm. And I think that like Jackson, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you did that to a T did that to a T. Like, I think that's, that's perfect. And that's mm -hmm. what we need to be able to make that stuff. If you want to follow your dream, that's what you got to do. Totally. I think, um, I think people oftentimes want to either skip parts of the process or they they try and and jump too quickly and they, they want to rush it and everything but i think that the really the really the way to look at it is that just to like people look too short term and stuff and i think that even though it did happen quickly for me i was like just opportunity comes to everyone all the time and if you're not set up for the opportunity you're never going to get it and i think what ended up happening was like I had this burning passion to make videos, so I made my summer video, and then I went to a trade show, and the opportunity got brought to me when I was talking with these people to show them that I made a video, but if I never would have made that video, I wouldn't have anything to show, yes. uh, and then I showed that video, and then they hired me to make the commercial, and then the, you know, so on and so forth, they liked the commercial, and then they invite me to go to to Nepal, right, and, and I, the point is, is that, um, I've really noticed this is that, that everybody in their life is always getting offered an opportunity almost yes. on a weekly basis. But a lot of people aren't set up for when that opportunity comes to hit it, you know, on, on, on the nail on the head there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a real key is that yeah. a lot of the times people make excuses as to why they didn't get it when really it was a lot of stuff, a lot of steps prior that they missed to, yep. to you know. Make well, it and, and you made another point there too. You didn't think it was fast enough. Like it, it took you a long time and it feels like it, it takes you a long time because when you're, you're an entrepreneur or a content creator, you're always seeing other case studies where people, you're always looking at somebody that's a little bit faster than you and that's what motivates you. But it's kind of like a, um, it's a paradox. The best entrepreneurs in the world, you know, think that they're doing it really slow where somebody like me and then someone that's 35 or someone that's 45 is probably looking at you, Jackson, and going, man, I, I wish I could have done it that fast. That's insane how fast <laughs> he did it. At 23 years old, 40,000 subscribers, you're, you're bringing in the sponsorships. Now you've already started a whole other channel with the sickos. Like, it's all relative in how fast you're going to get it done. But the, the, the higher you set the bar and look at other people and how fast they acquire their dream, you'll judge it by that. And that's kind of a good thing in a way. And, uh -huh. and, it, and it, it humbles you. But at the same time, it, it makes you hungry. And uh, totally. I, I think you, yeah, man, I, 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 can, I can resonate so much in that mindset uh, myself the, the in a lot of ways. Being set up for opportunity up. is like the huge thing that you said that I was like, yeah, you just like, don't make excuses. Opportunity comes every week. You need to be ready to seize the opportunity when it shows up because it's going to be there. And it's little steps the whole time. Yeah. Making sure. All it's right. We can, we can roll on with up. that. Yeah. It's, it's exactly right, man. It's, it's yep. crazy to see. Yeah. 
All right. So you're, you're getting into college, the Reed Ram, you meet Reed Ram. And I think that this is interesting to me. I don't, I've never met this guy. I've heard some, some, some stories. Love to have him on the episode. See what, see what's going on here. But I'm curious about this. Reed Ram seemed to be a little bit of a turbocharger for a short portion of your life. Might've opened your ideas to a lot of different opportunities. And I feel like in my life, I and can relate not correct to us. <laughs> yeah. And if not correct us, but I, I feel like I can relate to that a little bit. I've always been kind of a deal guy find, find the deal, find the job, put the deals together and then go find the talent to fulfill them. But what was his, cause you, he was a huge portion where you guys are starting. I mean, you made this whole chapter that was just like building this business, doing this thing, putting it all together. And then like many relationships, when you're trying to figure out business relationships, you guys split ways. So can you explain that a little bit? I know sometimes it's touchy, but also when we're more mature, we can also like look back and go, you know what? I'm really grateful for that time. It just didn't work out. But what, totally. Give us a little information on that. No, Reed and I still stay in touch today. Uh, I I got nothing but good things to say about the guy, and he was a turbocharger in my career. And what I can say about Reed is, is he he came into my life right after, or it, he came into my life right when I moved to Bozeman. I went to this dinner party right before, uh, right before it was like the week before college begins, and mm-hmm. there was this dinner party that my family was invited to, and Reed ended up being there. And he had these videos on his phone of him like like filming some supercar stuff and they were doing some some video work for I think a supercar company at the time. And he said that he was looking for videographers and like world works in mysterious ways. There I am with a camera, you know, kid going to film school. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm a, I'm a filmer. Like, here's some of my work. Showed him some of my stuff and he was frothed on it. And he was like, perfect like I want to start a video production company and he's like I'd love to just take you in if you're into it and I was like uh, stoked I'm like perfect right when I get to college I have this you know potential side hustle already lined up so anyway school school begins I get like six months into whatever I get through the first semester it's six months long and all while that's happening I'm doing this side hustle with Reed uh, just kind of, I, I, if I remember right, he's like building the business in the background and I'm going to his house pretty frequently. And we're just like kind of building a company as young kids, like not really knowing what we're doing, but kind of, and I was getting paid, I think 500 bucks a month, you know, and, and we were working really hard, but then I end up dropping out of college because, uh, we got this crazy opportunity to like, potentially move to LA and start this big TV show and everything. And Reed kind of like fired us all up on this dream and it di- it didn't end up happening. No, no hate to Reed. I don't think it was his fault at all, but that was a major reason as to why I left school was that opportunity. Um, and then it fell through, which was fine because I was still working with Reed. I was starting to get like side hustle jobs and contract work from local companies and stuff. But the main reason I have so much respect and 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 uh, think Reed was a major aspect in my life was because while I was working with him, he was just one of those kids that was a like just driven and motivated, and he knew how to light a fire inside of you. Like I had this passion for filmmaking, but my work ethic was decent. And then when I went to work for Reed, he sparked something in me that made me feel like anything was possible. And I could achieve it if I worked hard enough. And it was just the way he spoke. He's such a good motivational speaker, public speaker. A lot of charisma. 
Seems like a lot, a lot of, of charisma, charisma and the dude um really lit the fire inside me to that next level to where yeah. I had this passion and now all of a sudden he gave me the work ethic. And yeah. um and so he was a major player in that, man. I I you know, I the business ended up falling through. I don't think anywhere even went with it. Like I I don't think we knew what we were doing at all. You don't, <laughs> we, you don't. We, we were just what, learning and yeah. and he was teaching me the basics of business, which I thought was the gold mine of everything when really looking at it now, I was just a young kid that didn't know shit and he knew a little and he taught me all this stuff. But the main reason I really connect with him well and still hold it true was like I said, he, he knew how to light a fire within you and he did that for me. Um, and then we shook our hands, parted our ways. I got the job with Vinder How to go to Nepal. And from there on, that was the start of my freelance career uh, that rolled into what it is today. That's awesome. Yeah. So then so then you get from that. And I think that those moments in life, man, you got to look back on them. And even though they might go sour, I've had a lot of, sadly, I, I've had business relationships go sour in the moment. And it would be six months or a year before I could talk to somebody again. And it seems like... Uh, the more you go on in life and see what someone else is trying to do and what they were doing that you weren't, and that's why you originally attached yourself to their mission or their goal, uh, you you look back and you respect it even more that they even tried because there's so many out of the 99, you know, percent of the people in your life that weren't even attempting it, at least they tried it, and that's that's one of the things that I've always learned to look back and be really excited about. Whenever I did have a, a fail point, it's like, hey man. No one else was trying it. It's like, where else is I supposed to go to to learn that anyways? You know, and even have the experience to learn it. And I it I think that's another reason why both Quinn and I think you're gonna go a long ways, Jackson. Is it's just it's so cool to see from the things you've tried and, and what you've gone through, the you pull you're pulling the right lessons from them, as far as we can tell. I appreciate but, uh, it, man. Yeah, man. And not yeah. like not like we're gurus ourselves. Either. No, we're <laughs> not like we're gurus ourselves. But I mean, my my whole intention in life is I I love case studies. I I, I love talking to people. I've been a forty five year old stuck in a twenty five year old's body for the last twenty years. This is the wildest thing. But I mean, it's just like I I love hearing people's stories and just studying and and seeing. You look at the old timers and there's a wisdom about them. And and then when you can find that wisdom that doesn't have to take fifty years to learn in a twenty three year old kid, that's what. That's what's, that's what's, you know, sets people apart is the, the faster you can understand those life lessons. But going on from that, uh, ski.com. Yeah. Let's talk about the <laughs> ski.com thing because holy smokes, dude, like that was like first great dropping the eggs, you know, burns, burn two or three, but back then it was two or three bucks. That's, that's $20 you do <laughs> yeah. breaking a carton of eggs now <laughs> on the, for the, for the setup for the, for the ski right. job. But let me preface it a little bit. Jackson put together a video um, for entered a video a tournament, entered a contest yeah. for ski.com international, um, the international ski trip. He, he'd go on video and be an influencer for all these different areas and you want it. Take it away, Jackson. Tell us, tell us how this went down. Yeah, this was a, this was a crazy one, man. This was the major break for me. Uh, Basically, I was in Bozeman. I think I'm like a year into Bozeman now. I'm a freelance videographer getting decent work. You know, I get a job every now and then. I'm making enough to pay the bills, the whole bit. And uh, and then next thing I know, I'm scrolling on Instagram one morning. I wake up and I see this guy. I follow Andrew Muse. He's a friend of mine. And he posts on his story, last chance to enter Ski.com's epic dream job. 
And I'm like, what's this all about? I thought it was some classic gimmick, like giveaway job thing. I'm never going to win, whatever. So I click on it. I read a little more. And then I was like, this is really interesting. They want to hire a videographer to travel the world for two months and film for all the top ski resorts in the world. And they're going to get everything paid for plus $10,000. So now I'm like, well, this sounds insane. It's got to be super hard to win. So then I go look at the submissions and... All of the submissions, it's like, I, I forget how many there were. There's like 2,000 submissions, and I, I took quite a long time scrolling through and looking at them to see if I even had a chance, and it was mostly older people that were like filming themselves on their phone, um, just like interview style, which wasn't necessarily right or wrong. Ski.com did not give you any direction on how to send in your video submission on to win, but like, all I knew was that I read the paragraph and it said they're looking for a videographer. So I was like, okay, they probably want some like video skills shown off in the freaking submission as opposed to just like a phone interview, right? Right. Um, and there was a few people on there that did really good submissions and I was like, I, I'm going to try. And so I went out that same morning. I think there's eight hours left before submission deadline. And I filmed the drop in the egg bit and I pretty much tell the story of, you know, of how I discovered the thing. And then I told the story of myself while trying to show off personality and kind of my, my videography skills at the time and um, click submit with like 60 minutes to spare, <laughs> you know, waited for a couple weeks. And next thing I know, I make it to the finals and I'm like, oh, no way. And then I get on this video interview and I talk with the team and then uh, I'm nervously waiting for another two weeks after the interview and I get this call that I won the thing and I couldn't even believe it. It was like this fake, you know, I did those things you see them all the time, but like who actually wins them? Right, and I was, exactly. I was losing yep. it, man. Yep. And uh, I think I was super sick at the time. I didn't even react very well. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was just like, oh, thank you. I can't even breathe. But um <laughs> And this was before COVID, by the way, so it wasn't that. <laughs> but but, uh, but no, no, I uh, I basically, yeah, man, I end up winning the thing, and it was the craziest two months of my life. It it uh, really really propelled me. I believe I had eight thousand followers on Instagram at the time, and by the end of the job, I had fifteen thousand. Um, and I was lucky enough to travel from. I mean, it started in Vail. Uh, or not Vail. It started in Stowe, Vermont, and then from Stowe, Vermont, I flew to Italy, Switzerland, Austria, um, France, Japan, uh, British Columbia, Fernie, BC, and then road tripped all through the Western US to all the top Epic Pass resorts. Um, and it was all within a window of two months. So it ended up being the hardest job I've ever been on. Um, but the most amazing experiences of my life, man. I was staying in five-star hotels everywhere I went. I was getting every single meal covered from the best chefs in the world. I was, you know, flying in a helicopter and paragliding in the same day all before lunchtime. And that, that was happening every two days. Uh, so it was like almost too much for a body to even handle. And I remember halfway through the job, I ended up getting super sick because... Kind of I, I couldn't even it was too much um and i i actually owe a lot to this job this is a, a perfect example of an opportunity that set me up for my next opportunity with jamie was that this job taught me how to work 
uh really really hard man it was it was quick turnaround content i had to get these guys like instagram videos posted from every resort i went to before i went to the next resort and i was going to these resorts every four days and then on top of that like these four days are packed from like six in the morning till nine at night of doing Ooh. the craziest stuff filming all day and then i get home have to dump the sd cards that takes a couple hours put them onto the drive, start editing an Instagram social from that day, export it to ski.com. I wasn't getting in bed until like midnight, 1, 2 a.m. every night, then waking wow. up at 7 a.m. the next day, going all the way till 9 p.m., jam-packed of like the craziest stuff you've ever done. But that happened for a month straight, and eventually my body broke down. Yeah. <laughs> I got super sick. I had to call him. I'm like, guys, we might have to lighten the load a little. Like, this is getting crazy. And on top of that, I'm jumping time zones every week. Oh, so like jet lag to all hell. So like, yeah, man, I, I was jet lagged. Arrive in Japan. I thought the sun was rising. It was the middle of the night. You know, it was just like <laughs> messed up uh, workload. I'd be skiing like deliriously cross-eyed. Um, you know, I, I it was crazy, man. I got stuck in Russia. Uh, there was like a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened. Ended up being this insane job, though. Most mental experience of my life. Um, hardest how, work I've how ever many had weeks to do. Was but how many weeks was that? Like, or how 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 long did you do that? It was right. it was from January first to March first. So wow. January and February fully booked. Um, and that was in 2019. And then, um, yeah, man, finished that job, and then it was back to Hood River for the summer, and. Yeah, I, I, you know, I got interviewed by all these different newscasters and different parts of, uh, of everywhere I was going. I was put into these different magazines for it, all through the skiing world. It was definitely a, a fairly big deal for the snow sports world. And um, put your face on the map for sure. In that really, area. really put me on the map, man. It was a big uh, solidifier to the career path for sure. And were you doing all your own production when you were working with ski.com? Like you'd edit all your own videos. So they, you would just send them a final shipped video or were you sending a hundred percent? Yep. Yep. So on, while the job was happening, my main job was just to film everything that was happening and then to export like a little 60 second social clip, uh, by the end of it, uh, to keep like people live updated as to where I was in the world. Right. And then I would do these Instagram stories um, while I was along for the journey, too, that were posted every day. And then at the end of the job, uh, my my job was to make a three minute video on every single place that I went. So oh, I did. Oh. a, And so so like young me is like so stoked. Ten thousand dollars. Insane opportunity. And don't get me wrong. It was I wouldn't take it back for anything. But the Man. workload was actually insane. And I think they asked if I wanted to like lessen the workload. But I was like, no, nah, I got oh, it. Oh, yeah, of course. And, You're like, I can do it, no problem. Yeah, and exactly. And uh, I think it ended up paying off and it was totally worth it. But I had to make a three-minute video on every single place I went. That was like 20 resorts. So I made like these three-minute spotlights on every resort I went to. Oh, you to. made one for every, not just a Every resort. But this was after the job was over. This was just my editing time now that I had to clock in. Gotcha. Um, so I made a spotlight on every resort I went to, and that was like for Epic Pass to use as like promotional for their resort. Oh um, that was a great, prom that was a really good portfolio piece, obviously, because um, I pretty much covered all the top ski resorts and did like full on real, you know, promos, videos for them. And yeah. then, um, and then from there, I think we 
I think I had to do one more like longer form video of like my whole trip. So it was a lot, a lot of work, man. Socials on the way, then promos of the everything I did, and then a, a long form video of my entire trip. Um, and then I that did like a nuts. there was big sponsors on the job too, like United, GoPro, Oakley were all these name brand sponsors. I think I did a video for United uh, Airlines that was gonna like play on the back of the TV. So that was a good portfolio piece and. It was crazy, man. It was a big deal. And was that was was the United stuff all part of that ten thousand bucks too? Yeah, everything like all the ten thousand was just what I got, and then man. it was like then it was like you know here's the here's the workload, um, dude. You know, but, like if you were to go out and contract that work today, you probably yeah. could go and get ten grand for each one of those three minute videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would have been a bit of a a bit of a different story now for sure. I think uh, you know, but hey, yeah, Starstruck deal didn't. on you. Yeah, it was, yeah. it's the That's same. Right. It, exactly it. right, man. But it all goes back to like the it. same mindset. I think that that I owe a lot to is like um, forget the money, man. Yep. Do it, do it for the love, and build yourself up to a point where you 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 have a name and you can really leverage it. You can and set at the your time, price. I, yeah, exactly. At the time, I just was. I was building my brand and I wanted to work hard to try and build it to what I, you know, hoped it would be. And, uh, it was worth it, but yeah, it was, it was gnarly. Yeah. When you were, when you were doing this, like a lot of people don't understand this. So you were pretty much going and setting, you'd go and set up a camera, which like, you know what, like 30 yards down the slope, <laughs> hike back up in snow boots and skis, <laughs> get back up there, put your skis on, ski down past you, do a cool flip or something, you know? <laughs> And then it's like, oh shit, the camera wasn't recording. Say, yeah. <laughs> and then you go and do it again. Like, what was that like? Like yeah. literally the not, day to day, this stuff is not, it's not romantic, man. It's, it's like, oh cool. I have a, I have a black box on top of a stick and I have to make, I have to figure out how to stay inside of that black box. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Dude, luckily like, that wasn't, a, uh, luckily that wasn't too much of reality. It was setting up the camera and hiking out. That would have been next level I, I had to do it a couple times but for the most part i had like runner-ups of the competition meeting me in different places in the oh, world, and so cool. they were like filming for me too nice um nice. and with okay. me okay. um and then the other part of it was like skiing was very much a small part of what they wanted the videos yeah. to be like yeah. the majority of it was like sell the resort sell the lifestyle yeah. and skiing is always that the kind of the nature behind it the background um, yeah so it was mainly like b-roll of the resorts that i'd get on yep. my own time and then when i'd ski i'd have the gopros rolling and um, and the GoPros are easy to use. You can get great shots with them. So yeah. it, it wasn't romantic though. I mean, I'd be lying if I was like, like shooting skiing is one of the hardest things ever. You're yes. cold oh. and, oh. and it's, uh, you know, you're, you're getting wet. rain, you're getting wet. The lenses and, are wet. Yep. It, the lenses it, die or the cameras it, die. So cameras quick are dying cold. like crazy. Um, and so it was, uh, it was definitely like a lot of stuff that looked, and this is classic in video world. Like a lot of stuff that looked really fun was not actually that fun. Cause it was like, <laughs> I got to get the shot and blah, blah, blah. And then the other parts like, dude, imagine waking up at 6am every day to go and ski for two months straight. Like, I don't know about you. I've grown up skiing, but like, I want to do it like on the weekends, two days, you know, three days a week, yeah. maybe I want to cruise these days, repair my shin bang and then get back out there and do it again. But dude, when you're forced to get back on the skis oh. every single day by like yeah. day nine, 10 in a row, the last thing I wanted to do was touch my freaking skis, man. 
and and i was forced to get out there no matter the conditions so like it would be pouring rain something (laughs) you gotta go yeah i'm gonna say yeah i worked up at one of the ski resorts and i was a ski bum for my last two years in bozeman and i know that feeling it's like people like oh i get like 10 days a season it's like i get 120 it's not by choice (laughs) it's like skiing is no longer fun it's how i commute to work yeah totally <laughs> right, right. That's awesome. Yeah. You skied some of the best powder in the world. Yeah, out there. no, I was up at the. I don't know if you knew the Yellowstone Club while you were oh, in Bozeman. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I worked up there. Best place to be a bum in the world if anyone wants to try oh, for it. Sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a, a nut. And I, I was gonna say, you know, I know lifelong ski bums that don't ski as hard as you did while you're also trying to film like that. I you said it was two months nonstop. Like that workload. Dude, there's ski racers that don't me. do that. No, they, they, they take, not. they take two. No, really. Like they do when, when dad was skiing and stuff like that, our dad was a racer as well. And and like when he was doing that stuff, like they would, they would train, they train, then you do ground training, then you do wet training. You do like, you do all these different trainings. So you're switching it up. You're not doing the same thing every single day. That's like, just murder. Just murder on your joints. Dude, that's why we could talk about that forever. All right. Ski.com. Then we go to Jamie O'Brien. Uh, what, yeah, how are we doing did, on time, anyways? Are we we're doing all right? Forty minutes. Are you doing okay over there? You good? Yeah, I'm. I'm doing great, guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm here for it. All right. Well, you um, let us know um, when, when when you might need to jump out, and we can. No, nah, no worries. We're doing good. We're doing. Let's get through it. I'm. Uh, I'm enjoying this, man. It's epic. Okay, cool. Um, I've got. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. What? Whatever. Oh. What's up? <laughs> um. I. Uh, I leaked the secret a little bit last night to my old roommate that I live with. And he was a kid I was telling you about where like we watched all your stuff. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm gonna give you a shot. You got any questions? So this one's from Tyson. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> he said, uh, how did, how did this, he really wants to know how the Jamie O'Brien thing came together. Was yeah. this because yep. ski.com put you on the map and he Perfect. saw you or were you reaching out to him or? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I was going to touch on this before we got into Jamie too. I, um, so I think before ski.com's job, uh actually i i believe if i remember my right this was before ski.com's job i got hired um in the midst of my freelance career of just trying to build that business i got hired by a guy i met named henry spencer who lived on maui and he had these two boys jeffrey and finn spencer who are hydrofoilers and they were like some of the top in the game and they hired me to make a film on these kids uh in their life and and um and you know their their competition season uh foiling so i followed him around for like a month with my buddy caden spawnhauer and we both filmed this for this film and i was so excited to do this project because i was such a fan of of the ocean and i always had wanted to get into surfing and be in film surfing and be around you know foiling the ocean whatever so i was so excited to do this project i did it for free um again just like looking at everything as a portfolio piece at this time still trying to build my name again this is before ski.com now um and i end up making this film that ended up being 30 minutes long i think it's on my youtube called the spencer story and uh it it was awesome i'm very proud of that piece of work and it was uh uh you know just a just a cool look into these kids lives and i tried to make it really cinematic i shot it all on the gh5 and i really tried to push myself with um telling storytelling and and narrating a story and that was kind of the beginning of like my style and where I feel like I, uh, you know, have found myself as a videographer at what I do best at. Um, and long story short, Henry had the connection to Jamie and all of the surf world. Uh, and while I was on that job, I was lucky enough to meet 
couple big big filmers in the game one of them johnny de cesare another one ryan johnson who was kai lenny's filmer at the time so i crossed paths with all these characters while i was on this job filming for this movie um that sparked conversation we followed each other on social media and then i you know put out the movie and put out some other work and boom i go to do ski.com's job after ski.com's job i come back for summer 2019 in hood river Next thing I know, I get a text from Ryan Johnson, uh, Kyle Lenny's filmer. And this goes back to our whole theory on like being set up for opportunity because it always comes, right? While I was on that job, I met all these people uh, that were that were characters. But if I didn't put in the work to build a portfolio to catch their eye uh, years before I met them, I would have never have gotten this text message from Ryan that was, hey, man, do you know who Jamie O'Brien is? And I was like, yeah, I know who Jamie O'Brien is. What's up? And he's like, well, he needs a filmer. And I recommended you. And then, boom, next thing I know, I get this this text from Jamie. And it's like, yo, this is Jamie O'Brien. Um, I'm looking for a filmer. Are you free to chat? And I just, dude, my heart sank. I, I had been watching Jamie with my friends for a long time on his Who is J.O.B. show. He's a massive inspiration to myself before I went to work for him long before. Um, and how we lived life here in Hood River of taking a different approach to sports, making things fun. Uh, and so, I, dude, I'm just starstruck. I get on the phone with Jamie, and I am i can't even believe it. Uh, he's talking to me about, I didn't even really know he had a YouTube channel or a vlog at the time. I didn't really know what I was going to film. I just knew that I was going to go and film for Jamie O'Brien. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> sold, and, uh, sold right there. Sold, sold right there. Uh, I didn't even need any more, you know, answers. I, uh, Basically did a phone interview with him and it went well. And, and next thing you know, um, I locked down the job and I, you know, I, in that summer 2019 in September, I fly out to uh, Hawaii and begin, uh, begin work with Jamie. And that's where it all begins. That's wild. So for the people that don't know, like, we're, all right, we're over here in, you know, Montana, right? Landlocked so like, state. We're, we're a little landlocked over here. The only kind of oysters we got are dangling from a ball, right? So anyways, uh. This Jamie O'Brien guy, he was a world like renowned like surfer, right? He he'd hit up these surfing competi- uh, competitions all over the world, big barrel stuff, like big big 30 40 foot wave kind of stuff, right? And did didn't he get um he got famous for like extreme sports in that area. There's, you know, TV shows like production stuff that that caught him, right? And then totally. and then he started the vlog or how did that or did he have the so, vlog first? Or Jamie's, yeah, Jamie's story is he's um he's always been, in my opinion, one of the greatest. He is definitely one of the greatest surfers of all time to ever to ever do the sport. Um, but that being said, he I if I remember right, he and he <laughs> he's gonna kill me if he is. I think uh I, if I remember right, he never made the 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 tour, which is like the competition tour okay. on uh, for professional surfing. That's like the Olympics for um, okay, got it. Right, yeah. like like this is like being Major League Baseball or mm. the NFL. Mm. Like he never made the NFL of surfing, which is the WSL. He never made the league to compete on tour, um, because to get on that tour, you have to compete in the um, in the uh, what's it called the. Uh, not the the CTs the championship tour that all these guys compete on and then the if you're trying to make it into the tour you compete on the uh the 
I can't even remember the name, but it's, it's a preliminary uh, circuit of some kind. It's a preliminary circuit that you that you have to qual the qualifying series, the QS. Okay. That's what okay. it's called. Okay, so you you have to basically prove yourself on the QS to get into the CT. And okay. the QS surfers surf like the the shittiest waves in the world. They travel the <laughs> yeah. world surfing like whatever conditions. They don't chase the best conditions. They don't go during the months like firing months. They they go when whatever the world gives them. Yep. And Jamie is on the, the QS, and he's still so talented, still one of the best eye-catching guys, especially when he's on big waves and good waves, like undoubtedly one his of the best. His style's good, but his confidence is good, yeah. It, it, he struggled when it came to small wave surfing. He's a bigger dude, and he couldn't surf um, you know, bad waves as good as a lot of the guys on the QS could surf bad waves. And so it was this frustration struggle for him to like feel like he's definitely one of the best surfers, especially when you get him on any good wave and guaranteed when you put him on any barreling wave. Um, but it was this like inner frustration that was like, I can't make the tour because I can't surf shitty waves. Put me on a good wave and I can compete with anybody. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of put the middle finger up to that whole logic and started awesome. his own his own uh, program with Red Bull TV. And... And this was like one of the first action sports webisode series of all time called Who is J-O-B? And they oh. blended the world of jackass with action sports. So now oh. Jamie, and this is where he was a major influence to me. You know, he put put the middle finger up to the traditional route, yep. started his own thing with Red Bull, and yep. then is now showing off his surfing ability um, by being on his own program, but also showing off who he is as a person and blending it into this world of television that was never seen before. Yep. And I loved it. And I, and the, and he was funny and cool and, and was undoubtedly, you know, he's known for his barrel riding. Definitely the, I would say the greatest of all time backside barrel rider. Um, and yeah, man, that's what he made his name for. He did some crazy stunts, rode Chopo on fire, um, and uh, that really <laughs> propelled his career. And then he uh, he did some crazy shit that that um, you know really shook the world of surfing. And then that show ended up being like one of the most successful Red Bull TV shows of all time. They did nine seasons of it. The last <sighs> season ended while I was working with him. Um, I didn't film for that, but they were filming for it while I was filming for his vlogs. And long story short, from what I heard from the inside was Jamie got inspiration from Red Bull's show and said, ah, I should take this into my own hands and start it Absolutely. on YouTube. So he basically did what he was doing on Who is J.O.B. and then became the boss of it himself and started it on his own YouTube channel. By this him. time, he had a huge following to his name, a million people um, on Instagram, you know, followed him for from the show and from all the acts and, and, and from being the surfer that he is took that following, pushed it to YouTube, got himself a name pretty instantly because he already had one. Um, and then when I went to work for him, he was already at 300,000 subscribers, I believe only two years into YouTube. Wow. Um, and then that's where I come in is, is working for him after he's built his name over the course of 10 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. What's wild is I, I was talking about this to another buddy of mine, you know, we're, we're working on bootstrapping his his uh, music career and youtube and everything and, and it's crazy like just how how the the kind of fans you can get on youtube and the interaction you can have with them and the i mean i mean shoot look at us for an example of this you you can get such a closer tie when you're genuine with your fans you typically get more high quality views with your fans 
um, because it's people that are going to check in every week. Then they're going to show it to their friends because it's still there. They don't have to sit down and, and, and TiVo it or whatever, you know, from when, when they used to do it. And, and now creators are starting to figure out that they can, and they've been figuring this out for the last three or four years. I, I watched Peter McKinnon when he first got started, you know, back in 2016, 17 or whatever it was. And, and all these guys. And it was like, you, you we're now realizing we're not only able to find viewers cheaper than ever before we're able to find more high quality viewers faster we're able to build that relationship quicker uh we're able to to find higher converting viewership when it comes to uh, merch sales and all this other stuff and it's it's really leveled the playing field for people that know how to drive an audience and it's it's an amazing thing because now no longer is the talent 10 percent of the operation when it comes to production um, the talent's 90% and the production, it's like, eh, we can, we can probably get by as long as the personality's there. It's no different than what you were saying, Jackson, when you turned the camera on yourself and you started bringing in your audience, you started to be genuine with all of that stuff. Um, you know, we all start out a little bit, fake it to make it act, you know, action and, and that kind of stuff, thinking that, that the audience needs something more than just who we are. But honestly, year over year, you know, it, it, it always proves that the genuine, good character is is typically what's going to draw in more people because they they don't want to support they don't want to support just the corporate the corporate <laughs> side that doesn't necessarily have more uh, more than a logo and and a product yeah you know now mm-hmm. it's now it is the talent that says i trust you you tell me the logo and the product i should go after so it's just a little snippet there for for those that are listening to this to try to if they're in their process or, or working on building something, Glean but some um, business info, yeah, that's what we're supposed to provide sometimes here, but <laughs> that's what, that's what I do. That's what I do. Quinn's here just for, you know, he's for the good looks, you know, I'm, you know, there's no hair here. So he looks way better on camera, but, uh, <laughs> sex sells, right? But <laughs> really anyway, appreciate that. Anyway, so just a pimp for the show. <laughs> so man, it's, it's great to, it's great to hear you, you phrase it that way. And, and, those are the best kinds of stories is the ones that got rejected by the system and went and made a better system. So Jackson, when you got the Jamie O'Brien thing, it seems like this guy is not only just somebody looking to hire somebody for uh, a videographer, but he seems to be a bit of a mentor figure. I mean, it's so cool to see guys as big as Jamie reach back and pull up the smaller guys and let them come along and, and see how a real, a real, a real professional operation works. You know, like he had some experience. He had life experience. He's quite a bit older than you. He's been in the content creation side of things for a while, even though he was a little bit newer than on YouTube, he was definitely a couple steps ahead of you, which is probably exactly what you needed. What was the biggest takeaway you had from, from Jamie and, and working for him, um, to be able to go, okay, let's, let's, cause I think after this, it's, it's the sickos, right? I mean, you're moving on to how do I get my own, my own thing exactly. with the people I want to do it with. So give us a little bit of that, what you pulled from, from Jamie. And of course, if you got anything else you want to talk about in there. Sure. I, I mean, you're exactly right. Jamie at this time is a, is a mentor figure for me and someone I had looked up to um, for the reasons I said earlier. Uh, and so coming into the job, I'm just like the starstruck kid, just ready to like, you know, learn. for one surfing was this really, really big newfound passion in my life. I had been surfing for like, Two years before the job, but not very much. I would just strike mission it out to the Oregon coast as often as I could. And it's shitty and cold waves. And I uh, and, and I was an absolute kook. And I show up on the North Shore with Jamie like, 
man, you got to get me barreled, man. This is all I want in life. And like, so like surfing's this this aspect of the job that I'm so excited about. And I'm so excited to learn from one of my favorite surfers. And then on top of that, you know, I'm excited to, to bring him and his channel, uh, what I feel I could bring to the table, which is filming and, and editing. So I show up and I, I learn a lot. I learn about how you know, he, he stores his clips and how Red Bull stored their clips and, and little things like that to the big things of doing the craziest jobs and living the high life of a professional athlete. I mean, we would travel the world at the start before COVID. I'm, we went to Brazil, Japan, uh, Cali, all within the first, you know, three months of the job. And, wow. and on each trip, you know, like Brazil, we're hanging out with Italo Ferreira in his mansion and the guy just won the world title for surfing. So he's number one in the world. Um, and then like we're in Japan scoring the deepest snow with, uh, you know, such an epic crew. And then, and we go to California and I meet one of my biggest inspirations in filming and teachers, Casey Neistat. And, uh, and, and then all these characters that I met through the job were just, uh, huge inspirations to myself and just cool people. And, uh, we were doing things that, you know, I would never been able to do. We'd go to the Kelly Slater Surf Ranch. We'd uh, there's just so many memories that was just like, you know, pinch me moments um, that I was able to do on the job, and I really, really enjoyed it for the two years that I was there. Um, but that being said, you know, every job's got its pros and cons. At the end of the day, I became a filmer uh, to not work for anyone. Like I said, I worked at that hotel my whole life. And I was told when to come to work and when to film every day. And that was a lot of the same of what it was for Jamie. I, as, as cool of a boss as he was and amazing as the job was, um, you know, I, I had to work on someone else's terms. It wasn't my own life. And, Still a boss. Um, Still and I loved boss. it. I loved it for the two years I was there. But to keep continuing that, I felt like it was a step back in, in my path, in my mission. Um, but I took all that I could from the job. I loved every moment of it. And then... Um, you know, it, it was a lot of, it taught me how to create videos, quick turnaround. It taught me about the platform of YouTube. Um, I learned, uh, you know, how to edit way faster just by how many hours I was clocking on the editing screen. Um, you know, we were doing two videos a week, then halfway through the job, Justin Graham gets hired, who became my super good friend. He's actually in my house right now. Uh, nice. and he, uh, yeah, me and him are lifelong buddies. Funny enough, I met him on the ski.com dream job. He was one of the runner ups in the competition oh, who wow. met me in Japan and then coincidentally gets hired by Jamie. So Whoa. we became tight through ski.com and then he gets hired by Jamie and then we're like super tight, do the whole thing together. He edits one video. I edit one video. We're on these one video a week program. That was like nothing I'd ever done. Ski.com kind of trained me for the quick editing but I got way faster. And then eventually, um, boom, man. I, I think me and Justin clocked 300 videos for Jamie uh, at least. And we, because uh, he was releasing twice a week for two years. And those um, are 10 minute videos, right? 10, so 10, they were minutes. at least 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it was vloggy, like just roll the camera, talk to camera. Um, but then there'd always be like two surf edits that were highly edited. Uh, and, and when we joined him, he was at 300,000 subs. And when we left, he was at 725,000. So our growth <laughs> period, our growth period with him was huge. We, it was amazing. I think I made one video for him was the storm drain edit. Have you seen where he surfs yep. that storm drain? I think so. Yep. Yep. So 
we came up with this idea to do like these viral concepts where we would release at the end of the month we try and release like a three two to three minute video it's that a was huge tailored. like concrete slide yeah right? Is huge that the concrete one? Yes. slide yes yeah and we were like talking internally as a team like what if we did these viral concepts where we took the craziest stuff that you've done in your career and instead of made it a 10 minute vlog that a lot of people aren't going to tune into what if we tried to make it a two minute like attention grabbing thing that like potentially goes viral that's made to be shared and i ended up making this storm drain video uh it was like this two minute hooky bit and it got like 25 million views and went uber (laughs) viral and then like (laughs) like that was a huge one for myself because that that's a sweet piece to have under (laughs) under the belt uh and then it it really propelled the channel and um and that was that was super cool so Anyways, from the job, learned the ins and outs of YouTube from Jamie, learned the ins and outs of surfing, um, had the craziest experiences of my life, made the most insane connections of my life. You know, I've got Casey's phone number now. I got Jamie's number. I'm tight with Kyle Lenny and uh, it's, it's crazy, man. Right these guys, these guys, <laughs> wild, dude. these guys I was able to meet and become friends with, uh, you know, is, is, is unbelievable. So it's That's pretty cool. Wild. Man. Well, in in this time while you're working for for Jamie, you start doing your own vlog, and it looks like you start learning, not learning. You've been able to find sponsors before, but you start getting a little bit of you know some product sponsors and stuff like that. Like I remember seeing when you got um those boards sent to you. Um, I think your buddy was building boards, right, Junie mm-hmm. boards or something like yeah, that. And yeah, then you Junie. got, I think, did you get into the drift line? The drift, drift line shorts and exactly. stuff like that at the same time. And like movement as well. And movement. Well, and I was well, going to ask about Movement came from sickos. So oh, like, yeah, movement. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, Jamie inspired the YouTube grind. And then halfway through working with Jamie a year in, I started my own YouTube channel. And then from there, uh, endorsements came because I was making my own content. So yeah. people wanted to be a part of it. And that was Which where again, Drift Line came in. I got to make the point here. You're working full time for Jamie. Two videos yeah. a week. <laughs> you're crushing that. You're you're doing that. You're flying the drone. You're sitting on the beach. You're shooting the, the right. zoom shots. Like you're doing all of that. And then you go and take on another. Like it's prepping you for a, the next chapter. And that right. is the vlog. And I remember when you first started this and you sit down from the camera like, all right. Well, we're going to do this. Like, I got to figure out a new, you know, some content to post. But I think you're posting by Friday every week, right? Yeah, Something I was like trying that. Fridays at 9 a.m. I completely scrapped that idea. Now I'm just like, <laughs> get a video out within a week and yeah. make it the best it can be. But yeah. yes. And you're time, sitting in your room most days just coming up with like stuff to do. Like, hey, here's a top down setup. Like, here's a try this. I'll teach you this. And you're right. kind of Peter McKinnon a little bit. Yeah. You were throwing in the it action started stuff. as like filming tutorials. And then yep. I quickly realized that that was not my forte. And I was like, I'm just going to try and make some videos about my life and see if people want to tune in. And then next thing I knew, I released my first vlog and people loved it. So I was yeah. like, oh, maybe I should stick with that. And then You're I just started like, doing these bullshit vlogs of me just like living life and going to get yep. coffee and unboxing boxes and surfing every now and then. And it was just very much like a a normal kid that was starstruck yep. living in, you know, beachfront in Hawaii. And I think people liked that a lot. And they saw this behind the scenes of the J-O-B universe yep. through yep. a kid's eyes that was recently hired there from Oregon. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it, it really was cool to build that community and learn about YouTube on my own front. And then, um, you, you know, kind of ni- you, well. you did the nice stat yeah. thing a little bit. You tried to yeah. find some kind yeah. of story within ordinary life every day. Jazz it up a little. Absolutely. That was my goal. And I this is a thing I say, and I would love to say this for the audience, because I think 
um a lot of people get caught up on like never starting because they're so like they're so focused on trying to figure out where to start but mm. if there's one thing that i can give advice on it's just to start because my first videos were these total like like i started with a freaking tutorials of cameras and stuff and look at where i'm at now it's not nothing to do with that but if i would have never started there i would not be where i am today and those early videos were like very much peter mckinnon inspo uh and very much my early videos and some of them now a lot of casey neistat inspiration um and i think that people get too caught up in looking too much like they're trying to copy someone else when I, i i look at it like take inspiration from these people just put stuff out there and by doing that you're gonna eventually come up with your own style and figure out what works but it's a long process to get there but all you got to do is start and don't stop and eventually you're gonna figure out how to take inspiration from these people that you like and turn it into something that's uniquely yours and um i think that's a major goal man a lot of people sit back and they never they never press go uh, cuz yeah. they're too scared or don't know where to start but they really, overthink it they're too yeah. worried about not being original they're exactly. too worried about not when being start, original it's yeah like, when no. when starting's the biggest teacher yeah exactly right well man there's nobody that i i know that has earned it more than you when it comes to the amount of content that you've had to provide and put out there where it probably feels slow because <laughs> you do so much content if you do so much content in, in a short amount of time there's it, it makes it feel slower because you're doing 10x what a, a standard youtuber might do by just doing one a week because you're doing one for these guys one for those guys then you gotta do it for somebody that's gonna actually pay you money and <laughs> right you, gotta, you know yeah then, man it was it gnarly i mean it's straight up i'm working with jamie full-time doing a video a week for him that's what pays the bills and then i'm trying to yep. build my own platform on my side and i want to release one video a week because you got to stay relevant you got to stay consistent to stay relevant so it's like two videos a week um and they're long form videos you got to figure out how to balance filming and editing with that you got you know so it was like full-time waking up living through the camera every single day um and then yeah man next thing you know youtube channel goes really well uh built that to a point i was happy with had some endorsements started getting paid to the point where i could uh say goodbye and shake my hand with jamie and continue on to chase my own thing i want to know this is something that we we ask on this because we try to give people realistic ideas of what what they need to survive while they're chasing their dream. Like, look, you can probably cut it back almost all the time. You can you can live off of almost nothing. Totally. When, how much were, you don't have to tell me what, I know Jamie's still hiring guys, so you don't need to tell me what you're making there. But can you give me a number, how much you needed to have from totally. your new stuff yeah. before easy. you you were like, let's go? Easy, easy. I, I So, you know, this is something you touched on at the start, and uh, I get, I, I get a, a little bit of hassle every now and then for being a privileged kid. Uh, and I totally am. I can't, you know, you can't choose where you come from. You only can choose where you go with it. Uh, yeah. And I was lucky enough to go grow up with a great family. They're super supportive of this whole dream, which is a lot of the reason it was able to work. Um, but but that being said, I was never given money. I never took money from my parents. I always had a nice place to come back to. Yeah. Um, but I never wanted to be that kid that that was getting the trust fund and getting it paid yeah. for. Never was that. I always always worked a job, always wanted to make my own money. I felt uncomfortable to take money from my parents. Um, But I think, yeah, like you said, like a lot of people use that as an excuse. So where I'm driving with this is like people probably attack me as like this privileged kid that always had money from his parents coming in on the back end. But it's just not true. I very much um, 
you know, I, I had somewhere to fall back on. If shit hit the fan, I could come to the parents' house. And I believe that's true for most kids' situations. No matter yes. if you live in a mansion or if you live in a small house, you, your parents are genu- generally going to, you know, take you under their wing if they're, if they're there for you. And I was lucky enough to at least have that. So, um, point is, I left Jamie's job with making 2000 a month. And I was paying a thousand bucks a month of rent. Um, so, so I was like, I was having a thousand dollars a month, but you got to look at it from your situation. And I was a young kid. I'm 20, 20 years old at the time. I don't have much expenses, man. I'm buying food and I'm surfing every day. And that makes me happy. You know, I don't, I don't have a kid. I don't got to worry about the wife. And I, I just got to put food on my table and you just don't need that much to live. You know, I'm not a materialistic. I just want to do these things that keep me happy, which is action sports. And I want to live, uh, I have big ambitions for my future to live in, in, you know, big houses. But right now, man, I'll freaking live in the, in the the shack with a decent bed. And and I live in the loft with the sickos. (laughs) I want to live in the loft in a garage with the sickos. Just, you know, you don't need much. And I think a lot of people get caught up in like, I can't do it. And this costs too much money, but it's just not true. I mean, you can find decent places to live for $500 a month. And yeah. then you can, you know, you allocate $300 a month towards groceries. Yeah. And then what else do you need? You're eating and you got a place yeah. to sleep. Toys are just the bonus. Um, well, and you, you make it work with what you have because a lot of people exactly. look at what you guys got around you and you guys got, you have access to jet skis now. You got access. I mean, you've had them probably, most of these kids' families have these kinds of toys. So you grew up playing on them and totally. having it, right? So yeah, I mean, Hood Rivers is action sports mecca. The families had, yeah. uh, we were lucky enough to have toys in the life for sure. That was huge. Yeah, yep. But the thing is, is what you do with it. Like that's that's the that's the redeeming quality. I wouldn't have brought you on this episode if I thought we were just talking to a trust fund kid. Because if if we were, there's not a whole lot of story there. But the, the what makes a story is the effort. So if even if you were a trust fund kid, no one can deny the amount of effort you've you've put in. And I wouldn't say, I'd say you're successful. You're doing pretty well, but you're not like, you're not like somebody that's blown up in, in, in one year and you're already at 1.3 million views. And, and therefore right. sometimes it comes off as like, did they earn it? And they're just doing makeup tutorials. How did, how did this go down? So anyways, <laughs> so right. you know, like you took what you had and you, and you show other people how they could also have that as well by doing the the videos and showing this amazing lifestyle. And I have to say in a world of where I decide whether or not I want con to exist, uh, because someone else had, had the opportunity to utilize those, those tools, those toys, those locations, those places, I'd rather live in a world where I could see that was even possible than not see it at all. And Mm -hmm. even if it means that it, it took two or three generations of building up enough wealth in a certain area that they can, have these these toys and these things and these abilities so that the next generation can go and show the rest of the world what it's like i would prefer that i would not want to live in a world where you have to earn it all in one generation in order yeah. to, to be able to show it off because it's just it's it's everyone and their dog would be running around with their head cut off to try to get <laughs> anything or it'd just be not worth it in the end because you'd waste your whole life doing it so that's sure. the way that i i look at that because i i've seen both sides i've seen people that grow up in in you know in a much rougher situations and locations and and they achieve unbelievable things and for that they deserve the credit but then also the people that grow up in places of extreme comfort and learn how to break away from that cheap dopamine and that stability and that safety of comfort and go and climb above that some cases 
I know this sounds crazy and I'm going to get, maybe I'll get some hate for this, but in some cases that's harder to break out. That's harder to break above when every, every needs met and there's no reason to have an identity outside of it because it's already done. It's already covered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, I I, I was going to touch on that. I, I think that I was lucky. I, I don't think I was a hardworking kid until I found the camera and it was just a passion that, that, that really saved me. But I think that that's exactly right, man. When you have everything for you, I have a, I have a family that has a nice place for me to be and they push me to work hard and they always did. And they, they, but, but like, like you said, man, when you have food on the table and you have a place to come back to, where's the motivation to ever get out there and become something? Um, and, and in a, in a way, like if, if I grew up in a rough situation, I think I'd be, I, I don't, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be hu- as hungry as I am, but I think in a way, a lot of people can look at it like a benefit of like, hey, I'm going to, I got to make my name for myself. Um, and it, it really does spark a fire. And who am I to talk? I can't be the kid to say anything because this is just, that's, you know, it's world that I, you know, don't, n- don't know. But I, uh, I, I am, uh, you know, I agree. I could, I could see that there. I just was lucky to find a passion that, that sparked me to want to, to want to work hard. But yeah, man, it is. When when you got and, everything, how do you why do you need to work for it? Yeah. Well, and and thank God you did find the passion because I think now we can jump into the the kind of the last chapter and brings you up to current, you know, well, you met Mia, so congratulations. Yep. You, are, you yep. guys are still together, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. Going that strong. Been bad. Nice. That could have been rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's Mia's like, awesome. Like, yeah, Jamie Jamie brought me Mia as well and uh yeah. Yeah, Hawaii was a yeah, man. Not only taught me how to surf, brought me a beautiful girlfriend and uh an amazing uh an amazing chapter. Yeah, Mia's here with me too. She's in the house hanging awesome. out. But. Cool, cool. So then now this brings you into because of what you've been able to do and because of the video you're able to capture and, and the story you created in your own identity and your own vlog, you bring it back home and you're kind of like, you're kind of like the prophet, you know, the prophet doesn't, they, no one, no one trusts the prophet or thinks the prophet's a, a big deal until they've gone away and done some stuff. And now they come back and you're like, Oh wow, it's crazy. This guy has all this experience now. We'll listen to him. So you come back and I want to hear the dynamic of the sickos. And you tell me if I'm skipping. Am I skipping anything? Or is this a good way to trans? Yeah, you're here. This is pretty. Basically, I shake hands with Jamie. I tell him I got this huge opportunity, something I've always wanted to do. And uh, boom, part our ways. And here we go. Yeah. So you come on back and you put together the the, the sickos. June 9th, 2021 yep. is the air date for that. You're going to put it together every every two week uploads, is what you, or two, two times a Twice week. Twice a week. Twice a week. And, um, I mean, how in the world do you get this group of rambunctious knotheads <laughs> put together <laughs> to make this happen? Where, who came, who, what was the motivation? Who are, who are the lead guys? Who are the, who are the guys that you got to kind of, you know, push out the door? What's going on here? Give me yeah, all the drama. So give me all the details. Let's go. This was, this is rad. <laughs> this is where, uh, I will forever be thankful to Jamie for um, his inspiration. Because like I said, before I went to college, I watched him as Who's J.O.B. show. And I grew up in this friend group that is the sickos, that you know as the sickos. These are kids that I went to elementary school with, high school with, like small town. All our parents are friends. We grew up together since birth. And uh, these guys are like brothers to me. And there's a big, big crew of them. I mean, there's we. I've got like big 16 crew. childhood best friends. Some of them I grew up with since... Uh, I could walk and others I grew up with since freshman in high school. Um, 
But for the most part, like these kids were, have been a part of my life since a very, very young age. And we grew up watching Jamie and seeing this inspiration that he brought with Red Bull TV and Who's J.O.B. And we'd always look at ourselves like, God, I feel like we do such rad shit here at home um, that, that we should have a show about ourselves. Like one day we got to make a show because uh, like uh, we, so we all saw the dream, vision. Yep, we all yep. saw the vision of like Jamie's doing it. He does cool stuff and, and he's bringing his influence to the surfing world. But like we felt that what we did in Oregon uh, through, through our world of kite surfing and, and, and lakes and rivers and just creative thinking, we thought that we had something. So basically, finish the job with Jamie, learn so much about the YouTube platform, realize YouTube is the golden gateway to creating this show we always dreamed of. And I come back and I pitch the guys like, this is it. This is how we make Sickos a TV show. It's YouTube. Um, so I come in, we have this huge like talk, thousands of meetings, like figuring out how we're going to pull it off. And, um, I basically got the crew riled up on like trying to make it happen. And I had, you know, Charlie was sending the, the emails to brands that could potentially sponsor us. And then Will was, you know, coming up with ideas to film this next week. And, and we were all working behind the scenes all the way leading up to June 9th for this big launch of like getting the business ready to go. And I was taking in all the knowledge that I learned from Jamie and in years past of like how we could make this thing a successful launch. We put in this whole back end marketing scheme, started like launching teasers on Instagram. Um, and so long Who's story making short. making the content for all of this? Are you doing all the content yourself? Yeah, so or? like we filmed, I mean, like I said, <clears throat> I grew up with these guys and every summer I would come back home. And, and by this time, like I, I was in love with the camera for, you know, the, this was over the course of the last five years or my whole story we just talked about was over the course yep. of five years yep. um within the midst of that i would come home every summer just to be with the family and and my friends and we would always i would always have my camera i would always film stuff because yep. i loved filming and we'd go on adventures and whatever so i had a, a shit ton of backlogged footage from years yeah. past so so we were using what we had filmed in the past of our, our life and what could potentially be seen as a you know, future of sickos. And we were putting out these Instagram teasers of stuff we'd shot years ago. Wow. And then we were filming some new stuff. Yep. Um, and basically, we had an archive to pull from. And then that's when we launched the Sickos origin story, the movie on YouTube. Um, not sure if you guys have seen that one, but that's oh, the yeah. one. To, that's the one to check out. Is is that's how it all it, it all began? Was that's like the, the pre story to the YouTube? Was like all the friends that were involved. We had all that footage pre filmed, um, and it was just the perfect the perfect way to introduce the group of kids without having to film anything because it had already been filmed in the past. This again touches on the opportunity thing of like I was set up for an opportunity, and I was lucky enough to have you know, put, put myself in the right stepping stones to make a movie. I, I filmed years ago for this opportunity that came two years later. So yeah. launched the movie and the thing gets like 40,000 views and it's our first YouTube video. And we're, I, I think it maybe got 20,000 views. Um, and now it's up to like 40,000. Now it's up to yeah. 40. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. But it got 20,000 off the gate and it was like, oh my God. And then I was using my YouTube channel to push. And by this yep. time I had, you know, 30,000 subscribers or so, 25,000 subscribers. So I had a bit of a loyal audience and I was able to take them and push them to this new project I was working on. Um, and we launched the movie. It goes great. People are so excited for it. And then we go through an entire summer making content twice a week. And this was the 
hardest I had ever worked in my life at this time because now I'm doing two videos a week for sickos and one video a week for myself. So it was like three videos a week. I was and, putting and out. You're making enough money. You're making like 2,000 bucks a, a month right I'm now. I'm making on... like, man, by this time, I'm probably... See, my this is how my career has gone ever since I left Jamie. It's a classic freelance. Yeah. I have months where I kill it and I have months where I do so bad it's not even funny. But it all are you saving out. money? Are you are uh, you buying? Yeah, new yeah. Gear yeah. I mean, honestly, right now I'm kind of not profiting or losing. Yeah. I have a good pile up from my job with Jamie and from the ski.com job where for yeah. a 20, 23 year old kid, it's a lot of money to me. Yeah. Uh, I, there's no way I could ever go through it unless I was an idiot. Um, yeah. But that was just from past work experience and just storing it and keeping it in safe. And then now I've built enough to where I make a steady income. But mm -hmm. Uh, I'll only profit a little bit because I, I spend a lot on video ideas or put it or right whatever back into the business, put yep. it right back yep. into the business. Um, but what I, what I mainly look out for is that my safety net is not, uh, is not falling. It's, yes. it's at least staying the same or going up because I yep. know I have enough to be secure now. Um, so anyway, now I, ha I have some endorsements at this time with Driftline. I think they're paying me like 350 bucks a month, like something super small. Yeah. Um, and then I have some endorsements. I have my own. Uh, I didn't launch my clothing brand yet. Uh, I had 350 from Driftline. I think I was making about 500 to 1,000 a month from YouTube AdSense. Um, so I'm uh, like probably. And then I would get freelance jobs every now and then. I got like a job with Google that was a big deal, and and oh, a couple cool. other like uh, you know freelance jobs. And the freelance jobs pay well now because I yeah. you know I've built enough to be able to charge a, a higher price and. Anyways, uh, I was making enough, you know, not a yep. ton, uh, either staying the same or growing slightly. Anyway, okay. launched this business and now it's like I'm in mode and this is still the mode I'm in. I'm in like, I'm in like, um, you know, uh, what, what do you call it? Startup business mode. Like, yep. you yep. know, like just grind invest You're just every grinding. penny, just grind. Yep. The like, it's going to be tiny payoffs now for a potential yep. huge return later. Yeah, um, it's going to be at so, least, you just got to think like, all right, I'm going to do this for five years. I'm going to, I'll probably exactly. get to be successful by two, but I know I have to do this for at least one full year right now. Exactly. Yeah. You have to do it for one full year, live in the moment. I'm like, I'm like, okay, we're going to try this for a year. I, for one, I can't even believe I convinced these guys to do this with me. Yeah. And for two, now it's like, let's see what happens. We're going to go hard for a year straight. Yeah, man. Cause so, like you think about, and not to cut you off, but you now you're not only just dealing with yourself, your emotions and your financial stability, now you need all these guys to be responsible enough to have enough money that they're yeah. not dipping into the business till. And then like, or like whenever you go somewhere like, Hey, we got to go film something. And they're like, Oh shoot, I didn't pack a lunch. Yeah. Jackson, can we stop at McDonald's? You know, like, like that's like, you know, like you got to have those guys also kind of be at a place of maturity that they can handle their own stuff and totally. be able to contribute to the, to the thing as well. So go ahead, go ahead. Totally. I, to I mean, that's exactly there. right. It was a shit show. So we launched this thing. <laughs> we launched this thing in the summer and it's like 16 kids trying to figure out like where their involvement is on the show. And like, I didn't even know, like, like I quickly learned like, holy shit, there's way too many people involved on this thing. No one even knows who's who. And like, but again, it goes back to starting. If we never would have started, we'd never be where we are, where we are now. Um, but like at the start of it, like if you go watch the old sickos episode, there were cool ideas. We were very much trying to find our style you can't even get a grasp on who anybody is you're not attached to any of the characters it was really pretty shitty like we did cool stuff but like for the most part for a show like 
there was good filming and editing because we knew how to do that. But like there was nothing that made a viewer really want to attach to it. But I knew we just had to start to for it to actually become something. So we go through the entire three month summer, June, July and August filming for sickos in Hood River. And there's like all the childhood friends involved. Um, and by the end of the summer, it really started dropping, man. Views were getting lower. Things weren't going well. Everyone's kind of like, oh, God. This isn't good. But then at the same time, we were really happy with our growth because you got to you got to look at it and, and be honest with yourself. Like compared to my channel, maybe it wasn't as good of views. But like for mm -hmm. a first year's channel, oh. um, people would kill for that. Yeah, um, yeah. And and for one, comparisons, the, the thief of joy. I don't think yes. you should ever compare yourself to others. But um, yeah. but you got to look at it, you know, financially and also as a business mindset. And yeah. really, I. The crew was kind of bummed because they were comparing it, I think, a lot to myself or, or other people's views. And I said, no, like we got, you know, 10,000 subscribers, 11,000 subscribers in our first three months. And we're averaging, uh, you know, 8,000 views a video with a couple hitting 15, 20K. That's oh, insane. We might have lost you here. I don't know what happened. You got me? Oh, let's see. We are recording, but I'm, I don't know if we let it ride for a second. He might come back in. My internet may have gone spotty on me. I can hear you guys. Recording space? I had 90 gigs. Yeah. Send him a text maybe and see if he can just rejoin. Um. Uh, yeah. Let me. Yeah. Oh, but we're I don't know. You have internet? Oh yeah, he disconnected. Yeah, I'm still good. Did what? Internet? Nope, our internet's still good. It's just on his end. Be quick. Hey, it's just on his end. Our internet's still good. You gotta remember that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm He's talking about leave. the views. He's talking about yeah, the yeah. views of like. And I'm just gonna let everything keep rolling. The off chance that he can jump back in. Yeah, if he can. Yeah. Uh There we go. There he is. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Hold on, hold on. Good. Okay. <laughs> we're still rolling, so we're good over here. We're, we're, yeah, we're good on our end. We still got internet. Um, okay, cool. We're back on. So we lost you when you were saying that um, the group was kind of a little bit discouraged because the views, and it wasn't growing as fast. Comparison was the thief of joy. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, everyone's like a little discouraged and they're kind of like, man, should we even continue this thing? You know, we get through June, July, August. Now the summer months are winding down to an end. And now, you know, a group of 16 kids, people got their own lives going on. We got Sean, who's focusing on the world of snowboarding. And then we've got uh, other kids like Nash and Matt, who are these engineers at Cal Poly, and they got to go back to college again. And then we've got, you know, all these people got their lives. And, and a lot of them are like, I don't really have faith in this thing. And, and then yeah. some of them are like, I do. 
Um, and this is where the the real future of of the sickos has evolved to, and it ended up being the best thing ever. And I I kind of knew that this was gonna be how it played out because yep. I knew that there was too many people from the start. But how can you tell anyone they're not involved? You know, like yep. you gotta include everyone. You get the friendship's a big part of it. Um, and I knew that by natural just uh you know, by natural choice, people were going to either choose to pursue it at the end and people were going to step away. And sure enough, there was six people that took the risk and said, I'm not going back to school. I have faith in this thing. And that ended up being Will, Caden, Charlie, Max, and Forrest, um, and myself. And so that's now became the core six uh, that that we know as, as the sickos that have pursued the show. And not to mention, like, all the boys are very much family very much a part of this thing. Uh, without them, it would have never have been possible. But that to be said, you know, uh, these were the five that went on to pursue it with me um, beyond just the summer. So we moved to Hawaii, and now all of a sudden, yes. boom, we figured something out, man. We, we, we had some meetings internally, and we were like, what can we do to make this better? Um, and there's something special about working with six people on a business, coming from a one-man team to now a six-person team, I couldn't believe how powerful it was to have six heads in the same room thinking the same goal, how do we make this YouTube channel the best it can be? And you're getting all these inputs of, of you know, what this person thinks and what this person thinks, and, and it just, just speed ramps the growth process incredibly because you got so many people with, with great ideas. Um, and so we get to Hawaii and we want to change this style up, like less action, more about who we are as people. Let's get people attached to the characters. And this is a, a big nod to Casey Neistat. Uh, he actually gave me a call and he was like so stoked on what we were doing. And he had a lot of faith in it. And he called me up and we had this really big opportunity um, that was kind of under the covers with Sickos and Casey and some other people involved. Um, it, it ended up kind of falling through, but, but I was in touch with Casey a lot at the time and he called me and he was like, dude, you got something really special here. You just need to tap more into the characters. And he was like, he was like, you gotta, you gotta build the characters. And, and that was like this aha moment. that was like, you're totally right. Like we have these people that we feel we know really well, but the audience doesn't know them super well. And it was really hard to figure out how to divvy enough camera time to this many characters. When you're a one man team like myself, it's easy. I'd film myself, people would get to know me through one episode. But through Sickos, how do you divvy it evenly so that people can understand characters? And so we started studying TV shows like Friends and, uh, and uh, you know, Big Bang Theory. Like, how do they, you know, get you to connect to these characters when there's a lot of them? Um, and so big thanks to Casey there for pointing us in that direction because we took this shift of, like, less about the action because people can go watch the best in the world do it, like Jamie. Like, who wants to watch me and my kooky friends surf like we're all just a bunch of kooks like no one gives a shit about our surfing they want to watch us for who we are as people they can go watch jamie get the biggest barrels in the world if they want to watch someone surf um and so this shift in thinking came of like okay well we identify as action sports athletes we love it but we're not the best in the world so no one wants to watch us do it but how do we tie that into what we what we do because it's authentic to us so we started thinking like Honestly, Zoe 101, dude, that show as a kid was like, they'd That's have these stingers funny. of people like surfing and stuff. And, and, but the show was always about Zoe and her friends just talking. But like the stingers sold the lifestyle. 
So we started shifting to like having the action sports be a part of the show that sold the entire message and aura and vibe around it had this cool action sports vibe but you're very much there to hear the interactions between the characters and get to know each person and and we wanted to make the audience feel like they were part of the friend group and be along for the journeys and the funny adventures so hawaii was this really big opening of like a shift in content where we introduced stingers and we started to find our style and if you look at the hawaii videos compared to our summer videos there's a huge difference in the content style and that yeah. was the really the beginning of what I believe Sickos is today, which is kind of a reality TV show blended with a YouTube vlog with high quality cinematography and action sports always blended into the world of it. And then we've kind of evolved that concept over the course of the trips that we've been on since Hawaii. Um, and uh, yeah, man, basically went from Hawaii for three months to to. Uh, uh, where'd we go next? A Baja road trip down the peninsula. Yep. And then from Baja, we went to Europe and did a three month tour through Europe and Europe brought its, the, the, us the biggest success the channel's ever received. And here we are coming full circle back in Oregon now um, for year two in Hood River summer. And uh, we've learned a lot and we're super stoked with the growth and ready to continue it into year two. So mm -hmm. it's been a ride, man. Yeah, now you've got the knowledge. You're back on home turf, and like, yeah, I think you guys are gonna kill it this summer. And I've been seeing <laughs> you guys kill it. And I, so I know you guys touched it on your Q and A, but these big trips. I like I remember you saying, and something else that I find really unique about the sickos is everyone you've got on the team right now is individually driven. It's not you having to go. You can tell when someone's just having to wrangle the cats. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. okay, guys, we got to get out today. We got to. But I see everyone in the group, like you said, has ideas. And they're all pursuing their own things. Remember we were talking about Caden does some of his own film stuff as well. And I think you said Charlie was building websites and taught himself yep. how to do that. <laughs> so all of you guys all have the same vision. And it's like, you know, Europe for three months. And you guys even talk about this on the show. It's like, there's no way I could afford that. How could I drop what I'm doing here? And it goes back to you saying, we're just making enough for the next trip. That's it. Well, yeah. and everyone's, everyone's not, they're not putting necessarily all of the stress on the channel. So like, the same thing in our real estate company when we, when we first did that. Like it was, if people come and they're driven enough, they'll figure out their own way to pay their own way. Mm -hmm. And once they figure out how to pay their own way, then, then it, it relieves a lot of stress and off of the, the main project. And the main project is, all right, guys, everyone's got to figure out, everyone's got groceries for the week. Okay, we can do a little bit of sharing here and there, but like no mooching. And then like, let's do the, all right, let's put our time in. Like everyone gets yeah. their work done in two days to be able to make their, their living wage. And then, the the other five days a week we're we're crushing on this on this project and I think that's probably what you finally found by I love the ultimative thing where it's like <laughs> all right we're all gonna go to Hawaii and then like all of a sudden ten people don't want to do that yeah. <laughs> we'll just we'll starve them out is pretty much the yeah, method there like, let's see, <laughs> like, let's see who's really gonna up, put it in yeah. you know yeah who's gonna who's gonna give up their life and be like you know really make a decision here and it's good to have those kind of decisions if, if if the rest of the team doesn't have to make a hard decision of yes or no, and this is my fault if it falls apart, then they aren't, they, you don't have the buy-in. There's no buy-in there to make sure that they're like, they're committed to it. And the best thing, I, I don't know if you intentionally organized that or if maybe we're missing some things in between, but when you went to Hawaii, I was like, why are they going back, man? Why are they going and doing that? And, when, and then when I saw you guys get over there, I was like, oh, I, I'm kind of picking up what happened. <laughs> this is really good. This is really good. You know, it's, it's it's yeah it's really good and what i 
So I have the whole list. I wrote down all the characters from the origin story. And I noticed that Forrest, I didn't see Forrest on it. Mm-hmm. Max wasn't on it. Um, trying to see. There's a couple other guys that weren't on the original. But, but are, I, but I, are now. It was, but for, are it was now. just Forrest and Max. Yeah. yeah. Those guys. So, so their story is super funny. Forrest was hired to film for us for the summer. We were like, he, I was like, guys, we're going like to go 17, back. He's like 17, 16? He's like 16-year-old, 17-year-old Hood River Grom. And I'm like, <laughs> we got to get a filmer, boys. We, we don't have much money, so we'll give some kid 500 bucks a month to film us. <laughs> and I meet Forrest on the chairlift while I'm skiing over the course of the winter. This is like while I'm still working with Jamie. I, w- I just went home for a little winter break. And I was okay. skiing one day and Forrest was sitting on the chair next to me and he's like, yo, you're Jackson, right? Like, I watch your videos, man. And, and he's like, if you ever need a filmer, let me know. And I just remembered the conversation. I was like, oh, perfect. Well, we're starting this thing called Sickos and, and uh, I'd love to pay you 500 bucks a month, man. And he was stoked. And then <laughs> sure enough, so we hire Forrest and he's Forrest. the freaking worst worker of all time. And, oh. and, he's <laughs> and he was just this classic Grom that was like, fully like you know i'm tired i'm hungry all the time and we were all like god who is this guy like he's not really like he's doing all right but you know he's really he's you know (laughs) trying to whip him into shape a little here and then at the end typically towards the end of the summer we started to like you love the kid he's freaking awesome and and he's uh he's like the nicest dude ever and as we got to know him more we just started to realize who he was and his his talent is just not working it's completely being himself so we were like this guy has to be a freaking character in the show he's amazing so he was like this golden egg that we was once our filmer quickly turned into you know the star of sickos who is like that oddball (laughs) character that every tv show has that is just awesome man and he's so rad and just like yeah we're so stoked to have Forrest now but he was never involved in our lives until um until that summer so that's why he wasn't on the origin story um and then max and then Max uh, lived across the river in White Salmon, and no one really knew him until last year. While I was working with Jamie, some of the boys uh, met him uh, in, I believe, the neighboring building to our office right now is where he was living. And they, were, they just were out on the street getting a firework, firework bomb ready, and they saw him, and they were like, hey, dude, you want to come blow this up with us? And they just invited Max along and then they got to know him and he, he ended up being like this pretty talented filmer um, that was from across the river. And uh, next thing you know, a year goes by, we start Sickos and one of our first shoots is at the Chelan Wave, the, sur- mm-hmm. uh, the Lakeside City Surf wave. Chelan Wave. Yep. And yep. Charlie was like, yo, I'm going to call that kid Max up because I think he films and he lives in Seattle, which is like three hours away. So Max comes up with his camera and he didn't really even, he didn't know anyone really. And he just showed up with his camera and absolutely crushed it. And this is a perfect example of like taking an opportunity and, and running with it. Max shows up with a camera in his hand, crushes it for us, films the whole lakeside surf thing while we just surf. He's like, don't worry, I want to film. And he was so passionate. And then he comes back, makes these crazy edits and like sends us all these socials and like really proved to us that he was valuable. Uh, he was a player and he was ready to, you know, help this thing called sickos get off its feet. So from there, we started inviting him to all these different things we were doing during the summer and he would come and help film and like make some edits. And then he ended up going on a trip with us to Nicaragua and we started to get him known better and better, better. And then at the end of the summer, 
he was one of the guys that was like, yeah, I believe in this thing and I want to do it. So he really put himself out there through his work ethic and, and his talent and then jumped on board and, and wanted to pursue this thing with us. And now he's you know fully in and one of the most valuable members on the team. Um, so it's, it's, it's rad, man. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and you got to always leave room for those for those kinds of guys, because you're, you're always going to be finding more and more as you go along and, and you build a better audience base and you build stuff and you figure out your story and your mission. It's going to become easier and easier to find talent. And it's probably going to become harder and harder to say no to some just uh-huh. because you you have to you have to you have to make this thing your mission, which is making sickos what it's supposed to be. And uh, and and it's going to be the hardest thing I can see already down the line when you have to start making decisions as to look th- this is how it's going to go and and we we we're getting so many options for great talent you know how do we how do we manage this it's going to be hard totally. um it's going to be hard yeah, but because i know if i was living out there i'd be at your doorstep like hey man you want to extra <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah 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 if there was any yeah. kind of an opportunity how it all yeah. begins yeah exactly yeah and it's and it's going to happen man because you guys are at you're at forty thousand viewers on or forty thousand subscribers, or thirty-seven thousand. Just hit, on yeah. I just hit forty-two uh, yesterday. And then, so, what about your personal channel? Or you sorry, that? yeah, my personal's at forty-two thousand, and then Sickos is at thirty-seven. Wow. Um, yeah. Which is, imp- I mean, Sickos has been uh, at it one year less than I've been, and they're almost to my numbers. So it's probably just a, almost a one to one. It's almost the exact same audience, probably. Exactly. I think it's pretty similar, but it, I, I actually think it, it was similar up to 15,000 subscribers. And then we hit our Riverwave video uh, while yeah. we were in Europe. And that yep. video got 800 some thousand views and literally doubled our following. We went from 15,000 subscribers to 32,000 subscribers in a matter of a week and uh and uh so those those are pretty much probably pretty unique viewers that that may not know of me so i thought it was a pretty similar ratio but i i think uh we definitely share probably 50 60 percent audience but there's a good amount that's fresh that's different. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool and, to see. And I will say a lot of people that maybe aren't familiar with this are just trying to start out their YouTube. They don't realize like how <clears throat> monumental that growth is. I think a lot of people like watch their favorite YouTubers and they go, well, they're at like 300,000 or, or two a or quarter three million. million. Yeah, two or three million. Most it's them, like, yeah, that's only when it becomes profitable. But uh, as someone who is, I think I was like, humble brag, I think I was like subscriber 236 to your original YouTube yeah. channel. <laughs> and so seeing you go all the way from there to where you are now and like you said you know three to five years it's insane people don't realize how big that is and that's how much work it takes all those big youtube stars you've been watching maybe one or two have blown up in like a year to a million which is is so off the cusp it's so i mean it's pretty unattainable for most people and and so watching your growth be as steady as it is i just want to make sure people know that this is still insane this is still really good growth like if you're looking at it from a purely business yeah standpoint i mean what's like the rule of thumb for a startup you're not going to start to see any money back for two to three years well it depends on the kind of it depends on the kind of um content and then the kind of audience that you're driving so actually where jackson is and jackson can correct me if i'm wrong there's a ton of there's a ton of product that supports what jackson's doing there's a ton of different affiliate options there's a ton of different sponsorship options there's a ton of that that up and coming like people that i've always wanted to do extreme sports and they figured out a better board to build or a better product to have or whatever like that, there's still a pretty large space for that, for the product space. 
And there, I don't think that there's enough content out there to, to portray the amount of merchants that are yeah. in that field because the people that, that get eyeballs in that space currently, it is Red Bull. It is, it is still, you know, NBC, X, X sports, X, you know, all X these games, yeah, X yeah. games and all this stuff. Like there's, it, it's not as many people are in the seat of where Jackson's sitting because it takes so much production value to get it done. Um, so much setting up the shots. You have to have the, these beautiful locations. You have to have fly in the crew. You have to find the talent. And I think what's amazing about Jackson's story is that um, he has really figured out how to, I'm talking to you in third person here, but I'm, I'm trying to put together a bit of an analogy here, but he has figured out how to find the talent where the beauty already is. He's, he's accessed it at a lot. And the whole team has figured out how to access the, the beauty and the talent. And then came along the, the video work and they figured out just how to how to bootstrap the video work and yeah. that's why it's so amazing with Jackson's story is he already had the talent is just like the the perfect combination I'm a little disappointed that it hasn't been blown up blown, has blown up <laughs> as fast not disappointed in you not by disappointed the way. in you buddy I'm disappointed <laughs> in you but I, I feel the disappointment that they're feeling because I see other places with less talent and less work and less ability not pop off now Let's not fall into the victim mentality and go, woe is me. Oh, no, I can't, I can't start the YouTube channel. I think that there is some, some processes here, though, that if they wanted to step outside of the, the standard organic, I think, I mean, from what I've seen from my business partner stuff, and, and you've probably have seen this too, Jackson, maybe you just are against it, but you could probably put a thousand bucks behind every video and create a little one minute, 30 second ad or something. Uh-huh. And uh, and blast that out there and get fifty thousand views every time if you just put that much money behind each video and you could hyperspeed this thing. But I don't know if that's what you want to do. I I kind of want to hear how you want to earn this and how you totally. want to put this together. Well, you know, I think. Well, first of all, sub two hundred thirty six. You're a freaking legend, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I was seven hundred. I was seven hundred. No, like I said, I've been watching your stuff because I've never fully committed to to film. I've done it like Drew and I had our own business, and then I moved to Bozeman was a ski bum and back and forth. But I always watch your stuff because I was like, you know, I was in love with skiing. I had no idea a how cool kite surfing could be until I started, you know, learning about that through you. But it was like, man, here's this kid that's doing everything I want to do. We're the exact same age group. You know, we were in these similar places and I'm just like, this kid is like, it's just, I want to be over there, but I'm over here. So I've always been watching your stuff because it's like, if you know, seeing someone make it in something that I've always wanted to do. And I always thought growing up, it's like filming for action sports, like, you know, working for Red Bull seems like one of the coolest jobs. So of course, yeah. Watching your story, I was like, someone can do it. It can be done. Like you can bootstrap it. That's badass, man. I love that. <laughs> Same age group, but you can grow a way better beard. That's all I got to say. Yeah, well, it'll probably, you know, probably start looking like Drew here in a few years and this will peel back. But, God, uh, I hope not. We only got no, enough room man, for this much I did, forehead that's on rad, one side. Dude, I really appreciate it. But um, I think, uh, I, I think, yeah, getting back to what, what you're saying here, Drew, was uh, the mentality on the growth here. Um, for one, I, I've looked into the, the, the AdSense and putting money behind it. For, for starters, Sickos is doing well now. We started with these brands that supported us, uh, and the goal was to get them on board for three months for free. Just exchange us product, and we'll, we'll do a proof of concept for you. So that was the entire first three months of Sickos. was like the videos over summer were proof of concept, to our sponsors that we had something special. Lucky enough, a lot of them really liked what we were doing and they wanted to continue with us and we'd scale them every three months um, you know, as we grow 
they'd grow with us. They'd pay us more and more and more every three months because nice. we were bringing in more eyes. Now, a year later, um, we've scaled all of our contracts up to be pretty decent monthly income. But at the same time, the business is not really profiting and neither no one's taking a penny out of it because we're putting yep. everything back in. Um, but we've gotten into a point where we can pretty much afford to travel for pretty cheap and we can pretty much afford to get props for what we need for any video concepts whenever we want. Um, but in terms of putting videos behind AdSense, like we have the money to do it and we were thinking about doing it and then we looked into it and there's an inauthenticity to it that is like if you pump ads out of your videos, you're forcing people to watch your shit that don't necessarily want to even click on it or see it in the first place which could lead to inorganic um, numbers, as in your, your subscribers might be high, but your viewers are just not showing up every time. Oh, and so you don't have the engagement. Okay. You don't have engagement, and it can cause uh, a bit of a downfall, I believe, in your environment. I, I so, And I could be wrong here, but I solely believe in the fact of building things real um, mm -hmm. and authentically, because I think people that find you naturally and like your stuff are going to be with you until the end. And if you're force feeding people, uh, you know, ad content, sure, it might open it up to some people that really see it. And maybe you'll get some people that really like it and stick by your side. But I, from my knowledge, I believe it can cause some damage and engagement and really risk uh, the, the health of a channel by inflated subscribers and views that aren't even real. Um, so it's a risk that I don't want to take. I want to build it real. And, you know, we say like comparison, maybe we're slow growth, but reality, I don't, I mean, 37,000 subs in year one, most people would lose their mind about That's that. Insane and, uh, numbers. We, we just got to be proud of it. It's like you said, a Kickstarter, uh, you know, startup company, man. Uh, you look at it completely as a whole. What's the graph doing? Is it going up and to the right or is it dropping? And we're lucky enough to have the, the thing keep growing. And my theory is you, people look at stuff too short term. They want things yeah. overnight. They want success in a year. They want everything. But the entire story of my, my entire story that we just talked about this entire podcast was over the course of five, six years. Yep. And a lot of it was working for free and building these portfolio pieces just to get the next job and living off of little money. and and. It's it's supposed to inspire the audience that, that they can do it too, but don't think that it's going to happen quickly because I believe that if I stick with this this passion of film and keep my tunnel vision going on it, I, it's just only going to go up because I'm only learning how to get better every single time. And every video I make, I become a better editor and better filmer. And it's the same thing with sickos that I try to preach to these guys is like, we've got a year, we've grown this much and... It might be five years before we blow up, but I've got faith in our project and I got faith in what we're doing. And as long as you guys do too, and we don't stop learning how to, you know, analyze and adjust after every video that we make, eventually you're going to hit the, the, that one millimeter move that you need to, to succeed. And I, I really believe in that philosophy. And that's what I, that's what I run off, man. You know, go tunnel vision and don't stop until you make it happen. Just learn from your failures because those are your, your basic, biggest successes. Man, you're you're making me tear up over here. I'm just like <laughs> I'm so proud right now. I'm like, gosh, dang it, you're doing it, man. You're doing it. Thank it's, you, bro. It's so cool. It's so cool to see somebody so pure in that sense. Um, there's a lot of people, and I know you've ran into them. We might have talked about them on this episode that want it so bad that they're willing to do anything to get it, and it's not genuine. 
And I, I think that what, what means that you're going to always be able to do what you love is that you have that mindset right there, what you just talked about. Um, and I think that that's, that's going to, that's going to take you a lot farther. And man, now the next question I have, and I, I can't imagine it's not too far out of your future. Have you been approached? Has anybody come to you and said, Hey, let's make a show out of this. Like, like a Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So that what I was talking about with Casey earlier and, uh, we, we got approached by, um, some networks on like some show deals, uh, for, for like a pitch to like, you know, some bigger networks and stuff to potentially turn sickos into like a Netflix TV show, Hulu, Hulu show, all this stuff. And a lot of talk was happening behind the scenes about making it happen. We'll see stuff still in the works, but we've also kind of came to a point where the YouTube channel is really starting to do well and really starting to move quickly. And we kind of have faith that like, you know, I definitely open to any opportunity and I, I, you know, never going to turn anything down, but we uh we kind of have faith in in building our own show up now and really running with it and we got a huge opportunity that's hopefully going to align here soon contract hasn't been signed and we're waiting for some money to come through to to really ensure that it's legit but if it does happen we have a huge trip coming up with sickos uh that will be a massive massive deal for us and uh should produce some really epic content and hopefully help get us on the map even more um so i don't want to dive too deep into detail i'm not super no, no, no. sure on what i yep. what i can and cannot say yeah yeah, yeah, yeah um yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh I'll yeah man I, long story short we have some really big opportunities that have happened and are still in the process of happening uh and we're talking to some some really big and inspirational people about um you know some stuff behind the scenes so <laughs> staying awesome. strong it's inspiring it's cool to hear everybody's support man everyone that i that i met through jamie's job and in the field i, I get really cool messages from these people that um you know are are big deals in their industry and it's it's motivating man that's amazing man that's amazing um i think that we're kind of coming to a yeah to a t here i think we're just gonna have to do another episode when we when we want to <laughs> jump back, back on in on you or if right. you need you know someone to help interview you, you know, hit us up. <laughs> but, uh, man, I just, in closing, what are, what are some things that you are, are a little bit scared of and nervous about right now going forward with the channel? Um, and then with your channel, with, with sickos and everything like that, what could potentially shut something down or be an issue? And then is there anything that the audience can do for you? Is there anything that you're looking for that we could help put out to the audience and, and just come along and alongside you and support you? Cause we'd like to we like to be able to do that as well. So, so first and foremost, you know, worries, concerns, and, and stuff that you might be nervous about or that you're frustrated with, maybe something you need, you need, you can't figure out how to get done right now. Totally. No, I, uh, you know, honestly, I feel great. I, I'm not, I'm not frustrated. I'm not angry. I don't think we deserve the world. Um, I never want to play that victim card, man. I just, like I said, the whole philosophy is just keep growing with what we got, learn from the mistakes, make it better. And don't stop until you figure it out. And I believe that we can do that. The only worry is like, you know, what what if we go another year and we don't grow very much? And then the core guys that are continuing this thing want to bail. Um, I'm the type of guy that, that would go at this for the next five years and not even bat an eye. Because I just am the type of person that wants to stick with something and not stop. I think people jump ship too quickly when they're on the edge of greatness. So I guess that's a fear in my, my teammates is if, if that would happen. Um, for the most part, I see a lot of commitment and I think they'll make an educated decision before anything like that happens. Um, and then my own channel, 
no nah, man this is my this is my career path and i'm not stopping until i figure it out whether it's youtube or filmmaking uh my own business freelance whatever um i think i'm lucky enough to uh have you know built a portfolio and and learn a lot about the youtube world where i'm confident that i'll be able to um you know get by with what i need to get by with and hopefully grow it to where my dreams lie and uh I'm not going to stop, man. So, yeah, as long as I got a camera in hand every day and uh, I get to do what I love for work, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, that's amazing. And you're doing it with the people you love, too. Exactly. Exactly, exactly right. Awesome. So what could the audience do for you, man? What is what is something that, that you need to that you could maybe ask in, in any way that we could we could help out? I mean, if anyone is interested, the only thing I can ask for is just if you like, you know, tuning into videos and, and you want to see weekly content on both my channel and Sicko's, um, our audience is what is what's making it possible and, and uh, sharing it with others. So if you're keen, if it's if it's the content for you and you think other people are going to get enjoyment out of it, whether we can make your day better or whether you just want to tune in to, you know, hear philosophy every now and then on my channel or watch the sickos do crazy shit, just click subscribe, like the videos if you like them and uh, tune in, man. But hey, if it's not for you, it's not for you. It's all good. But that's the biggest way we can be supported right now is just people showing up and, and trying to spread the word of uh, this underground YouTube channel that's trying to make it. That's awesome, man. And you got some merch lines. You got some stuff like that. I got some clothing. I got with intent right here. I got a, my own store. I'm about to launch my new collection coming out soon. Um, with intent dot shop. If you're keen on shopping some merch, I think my, my first collections like almost sold out. So there might not be a lot of options there, but stay posted for when that launches. Um, and then, yeah, other than that guys, not much else. I, I just am grateful for anyone who, uh, who tunes into the videos. Okay, cool. So we can go follow you at Jackson Lebsack. What is it? Uh, yeah, on, at Instagram? Jackson Lebsack on Instagram, Jackson Lebsack on YouTube, at Sickos on Instagram, and then Sickos on YouTube as well. Um, all of that, man. It's uh, it's powerful to, to have a following and grow it. So that's the biggest okay. thing. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's been an absolute blast chatting with you. I hope that this will happen again in the future at some point. Maybe we'll hit you up when you're uh, at, you know, 80,000 or 100,000 or whatever. <laughs> or if you don't make it that far, then we'll, we'll do it anyways. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. I think yeah, you're going to make it, man. You guys got <laughs> you guys got a couple million. I think you got a couple million. It's going to happen quick. And you know how fast it can happen. So oh, I, I appreciate I it, man. It'll go there, dude. It's You guys have been bringing joy to a couple landlocked fellas like us, you know, a couple <laughs> yeah. brothers over here. And uh, we, we just love watching it and uh, just just seeing that it can be done. I think that's my favorite part of the story is absolutely just, absolutely. just some guys just going out, having a good time and, and making it happen and uh, using everything they got around them to, to claw scratch their way to the top. And, uh, but still have the mindset that you have on being on having that genuine growth and knowing what that brings you and the lessons that it will teach you and the fortitude it will give you to go through even the harder stuff later on. So I, I just love that, man. It's been great to hear your story. Thank you for the time. We're only at 12 subscribers on my channel. <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. tell you that. I didn't want to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All good, dude. But, All good. But uh, we, you know, we we had a little bit of uh, an uptick. We just hit a thousand views on our first channel with the with the TikTok star Jonah Prill. Um, but uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping that we can give you some value though. If you can take this and share this anywhere and it helps further your cause, do whatever you Sweet, can, man. man. So. 
Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, I really appreciate the time, guys. That was epic. Cool. Of course, man. You ever find yourself on this side of the country, you want some redneck landlock content, you know, feel free to reach out. We got it all. (laughs) Damn right, dude. I'm stoked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Come on back. We'd love to meet up with you sometime, grab a beer or something sometime. Right on. Well, when I'm back in Bozeman, I'll let you boys know and we'll get after it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We'll chat later, man. You have a good one. Everybody at home, you've been listening to the Drew Gerber Show. Uh, thanks for tuning in and hearing Jackson Lebsack's story. We super appreciate all of you out there. Please go follow Jackson Lebsack everywhere he he mentioned. Uh, you can f- go follow the crew of the Sickos and the Sickos. Follow Quinn at Quinn Gerber on Instagram. Follow me there if you guys have any questions, answers, concerns, maybe some ideas. Just shoot them to me, DM them, and uh, we'll catch everybody on the next one. Thanks so much, guys. See you then.